Welcome, guys, to a very special episode of See, Here Love. We are so excited. It's Women's History Month, and we are celebrating in a big way. And it's the co-host taking over. My goodness. Um, we're all in the building, and uh, I want to introduce all my incredible... I'm going to let them talk to you, but look who's here. We've got the one and only fabulous Trifina. What's up, girl? Hey, it's so good to be hanging out today. It's so good. And Esther in the building looking beautiful. Hi, everyone. Good to see you. Well, guys, we are talking about uh, Women's History Month, and we just literally came out of the heels of International Women's Day. I I'd love to know, like, wh why this month matters to you. Did you do anything special on, on the day? And uh, how are you celebrating? Trifina. I mean... I, in my household, I just decided like International Women's Month means I'm not doing anything. So dishes and laundry and all of that, that's off of me. I'm only semi-kidding. Um, but no, I love that we're honoring this, especially as a church, because I think so often our theology hasn't always lined up with the way Jesus viewed women. And so I just am loving, like as a family, we've just taken time to talk about great women of faith or even um, the women in the Bible who were the first ones to share the gospel and just really continue to talk um, about how Jesus empowered women and why like, we're so near and dear to God's heart. So yeah, I, I love that we're taking time to celebrate and to honor. So, so good. Esther, what about you? Well, to be honest, um, it's not something I've grown up uh, celebrating or, or being very knowledgeable about. I think that this is really the first time I've done something intentional for Women's Month. Um, but I would say that right now my heart is certainly uh, with Ukraine. My husband is from Ukraine and has Ukrainian heritage. And I have been uh, really just reaching out to the women that I know, specifically women in ministry that are ministering there, pastors, wives, and families, and those that I know in my own family that are there to just try to be a support system for them and empower them and also share their stories right now and how, how they're persevering and being courageous. So it is very much like a, um, a story for today of women that are being bold and courageous. So I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today in that light too. So good. And for myself, um, I've had the like the privilege of uh, hosting and co-hosting some events. Um, but what was really exciting to see this month is um, there's a level of of unity and like a togetherness that I I'm, I'm sensing. It's just a swell of it, like more than ever mm -hmm. before. And um, I love to see people coming together, understanding, you know, that we need to link arms. And so it's been great celebrating the strength of women, the brilliance, the force that is women. And um, and you're right, Trifina. I feel like so it's uh, it's our season. It's our time. And mm -hmm. there's an awakening, I think, happening in the church. Uh, I mean, Trifina, I, I know that you've got such a pulse on um, just the Church of Canada and stuff. Like, I feel like there's a rise happening right across this nation. What do you feel? I completely agree. I think that women are being called up to lead in just powerful ways. And I think it's also an incredible season of empowering women in all spaces. I think for so long, we've had a hierarchy of, well, these are the ways that leaders are formed, or these are the ways that leaders function. Um, but we're really taking notice of women in all spheres of life and all walks of life um, and the way that they live that out. And I think what's so powerful even is um, International Women's Month comes on the heel of like Black History Month and celebrating. Um, 
um, the history and the heritage and the excellence of what so many people in our community have experienced. And I think what is so powerful as women is we are encountering um, our different stories, knowing that as much as we all share the same gender and that aligns us, that's not all of our existence. And so I'm loving seeing women of different abilities and different colors and different life experiences, or even Esther, as you said, women um, who live in different parts of the world and we're really honoring their stories and their experiences in a new way. And I mm. love that. Mm, so good. And what are you experiencing, Esther? What are you seeing in the church where, where mm. it comes to women? Yeah, I do. I, I agree. The word solidarity is really top of mind right now. I am seeing uh, within the church, women are rising. I, I actually have a something that I'm, I'm internally processing, and I'm, I'm not sure how this will play out. But I'm wondering if in this season, as we're coming out of a the season that we've had an experience with COVID, and we're coming into a new time, and the church is evolving, the church is changing rapidly. Um, I'm actually wondering if this is the time and space where we're going to see more women, especially women in pastoral roles where they traditionally were not. Um, and I, I know that there's a number of church leaders who are experiencing an increase in burnout and they are just overwhelmed. But I'm also hearing of more friends, women in ministry who are saying, I wonder if I'm called to lead or pastor a church in this time. And I know that in hist historically that's been a really big, you know, like, is that, is that something that we can do? But I wonder if now is the time and the space where those, those doors will open to women because, uh, because there's big voids being, being made right now in this new season of the church. So I think that we are looking at a time where we're going to see shift and, and shaking, um, but new things. And I think there will be new life and new growth that comes out of that. So, so, so good. And I love what you said about, uh, you, you know, looking back historically. And I feel like if we are honest with ourselves, historically, we have been marginalized and silenced mm -hmm. and um, discarded. But yet there's been these bright lights throughout history. And even those in the Bible that we draw strength from and draw inspiration mm -hmm. from. And I think they've really, they've formed us. They've shaped us. We've uh, we align ourselves to them. And I'm wondering, just, I've been thinking about it all week because I know we're going to be talking. I've been excited to find out who are the women biblically that have inspired you, that have um, impacted your life, left a footprint, left a, left, left a thumbprint. Um, I'd love to know. And then, and, and also like what lessons can we learn from these women still today? Cause they're still speaking, right? Like even though their, their physical time has come and gone, their lives are still speaking to us profoundly today. So we're going to take a minute. I can't wait. I love this section. We're going to talk about the biblical women who have inspired us, have motivated us, who are game changers and what we can still learn from them today. And I'm going to go to the amazing, I love her, Esther. I just love um, the choice that you made. And I think it's going to resound with every woman that's listening. Yeah. So the first person that came to my heart and mind is Mary Magdalene. Um, this is a woman that throughout history, I'm talking like from the earliest church, has been completely misunderstood and misrepresented. So, and even for most of us, myself included, we have labeled her as a prostitute and adulteress. And, and even, um, I mean, they've 
labeled her potentially the, the wife of Jesus. I mean, she's had so many labels put on her by religious people. Um, there's no biblical evidence that this is indeed her identity. And so she, her name is mentioned 13 times throughout the gospels. All the gospels say that she was there at the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. She was the first to witness him uh, when he had come back to life and resurrected. He chose to use her as his voice to say, go and tell them that I am alive. And so, I mean, she has this incredible place in history. But here's the thing. She, yes, she had seven demons cast out of her, but she also was supporting the ministry of Jesus and the disciples throughout. She was consistent. She was there uh, throughout his ministry in um, in the region. She went and traveled. She saw miracles witnessed. She was a supporter. She was probably a woman of wealth and means to be able to support financially the ministry of Jesus and the disciples. Um, so she's been mislabeled in part because there's a lot of Marys in the New Testament, as we know, uh, a lot of mention of Mary, but she was not necessarily the woman who poured perfume on Jesus. She was not the woman who, uh, Mary of Bethany, who we know as um, Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, but often she's been, because of her name, I think she's been put into some other stories of women who did have, um, you know, uh, prostitution or that label put on them as well. But this woman, Mary Magdalene, was uh, one who traveled and supported Christ, who gave of her own resources, her time. She was courageous. She was bold. She stayed when other disciples fled the scene in fear when Jesus had died. She stayed and she stayed long enough to see him buried and to see him resurrected so that she could go and testify as one of the first evangelists in history to go and tell uh, of, of Jesus' resurrection. And so that's where I wanted to focus on her today to say, you know, uh, we have misrepresented and mislabeled. And I think that that is something that we see continuously throughout history and even today, women who are misrepresented and mislabeled and misunderstood. And so I think that it's important for us as women to look back at these stories, read the scriptures, say, like, what does the scripture actually say about this woman and her boldness and her courage and, um, and her place in history that Jesus elevated her as a woman of, of means, a woman who is uh, courageous and faith-filled. And, uh, and he chose to do ministry with this woman in a time where women did not have a voice. They did not have a space. And he elevated her to a place where she had a voice. And so I think that we need to do the same and look back at her story as like, okay, who have we misrepresented and mislabeled throughout history? Uh, what are the women that we have given a title to and what is the truth of that story? So I think we always need to look for the truth of that story. And in this case, I would just encourage, you know, this is actually a great time to just remind us all to go back to scripture, read it carefully and make sure that we're not misrepresenting people or putting labels that don't belong there. So Mary Magdalene, let's learn about her story and tell her story. Well, uh, this motivational moment brought to you by the one and only powerhouse, <laughs> Esther. Oh, my goodness. So, so good. And and thank you for reminding us uh, that we are not what has been labeled on us. Mm -hmm. um, and we will not allow people to place their stories on us. Mm -hmm. God is writing our own story. Um, 
I, I'd love to know, like, just open floor, um, anything, any thoughts on what Esther said, Trifina, anything that you thought was, like, just moved you from anything she said at all? So good. I feel like I went to church and back right now. Um, no, but honestly, <laughs> I love the conversation around labels because I think we're so quick um, to, to label women with different, you know, thoughts on how they are performing or whatever. And I love... Um, that you're you're systematically unpacking the labels that we placed on her um, as a mm. faith community, and I just I think that is game changing because our words have power. So when we mm -hmm. speak about her in a in a disrespectful, condescending way, it changes the way that we view her as Christians and takes away from how Jesus viewed her. And so I love yes. that. So good. And what about you, Trifina? Who's your care? Who's your person from the Bible? So speaking about labels, um, my woman is that inspires me from the Bible is the woman um, who is labeled as the woman with the issue of blood. But really, when we look at who she is, I think she should be relabeled as like the woman with tenacity, the woman with courage, mm. right? This woman who was bleeding from her uterus for 12 years. Like I just put myself in her position. I'm like, okay, so physically you're exhausted, mentally, emotionally, you're exhausted your hormones I'm imagining are all over the place and you are someone who's now deemed unclean by society you've been having to scream that you are unclean to every passerby for 12 years you've said that to people you're declaring it over yourself and yet you find it within yourself you find this courage and tenacity to break into this crowd that is following Jesus and go and touch his cloak or the, you know the edge of his robe and like, not only is there courage in that, like, it's an act of defiance and resistance. Like, you are actually breaking a rule by being an unclean person who's touching a rabbi. And even just as a woman who is physically, mentally, all of that exhausted, you've, you're stepping into a crowd that you know is on the way to follow Jesus to Jairus's house. Jairus, a religious leader, like, you're stepping in from a position of vulnerability and interrupting a man with authority. And just the level of courage that I believe that took to go and to, you know, fight for your healing, to take your healing after 12 years of no one fighting for you. And you go and touch Jesus's robe and, you know, power, you feel Jesus's power go through your body. You feel your healing, your blood stops. And then Jesus stops and he says, hold on power has left me and he calls you forward. So for you to come forward, take up your space, allow this crowd that is pushing around you to stop and to hear your story after 12 years of all you've used your voice for is to say that you are unclean. And now you get to share how God is redeeming your story. You get to share the truth of who you are and you take up your space. And so for me, she has just been such a game changer to to sit with her courage and her tenacity to use her voice to tell her story, um, to create empathy. And also just when Jesus called her forward, she wasn't like, oh, you know what? Like everyone's on their way to heal, to watch Jesus heal Jairus's story. It's okay. Like everyone's too busy, which would be the Trifina response, right? Like, oh, people are too busy. They don't need to hear my story. Um, but she used her voice in a powerful way. And she's a woman that we're still talking about now. And so I just, I love her courage and her boldness. Oh, so good. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing that. Oh man, I there's there's a theme happening definitely because the person that I chose 
also I feel has been wrongly labeled and I think because of how people viewed her and spoke about her she lived in total isolation and that's the woman of Samaria and you know it's funny because whenever I speak about her in all these glowing uh, phrases and terms there are some people that think well yeah you know uh, definitely very brave of her. She ran back. She told the village, come see a man who showed me all that I am. But there is so much more. And that is that is the truth of so many women then and now. There is so much more to our story than what has been told or what has been viewed by others. And uh, so we have this woman uh, who uh, back in, in that time, uh, not only as a Samaritan, Samaritans were considered the lowest of the low, they were uh, the worst demographic in terms of viewpoint and, and society, but she was a woman. And so because she was a woman, she was property, she was chattel. And, you know, sometimes we, we, we are so quick to uh, throw mud and pass judgment. I love what you said, Esther, when there's, there's brokenness, there's hurt, there's a story of survival behind it, struggle, staying alive, of, you know, tenacity. I love that. Women were not protected, were not taken care of unless they were attached to a man, right? They could not uh, find uh, shelter and housing, uh, clothing and housing, and they belonged to someone. They were part of someone's chattel. And so in order to sustain and live, you had to be uh, married or part of uh, a man's care. And, and so, yes, she would be going from man to man. And yes, she would, uh, if one failed, she would be finding somewhere else for shelter and for food and for protection from other men because other men were predators. And so, you know, there's, it, it's, it's not always, um, a, a loose lifestyle. It's it's unfortunately how women had to survive, mm -hmm. um, um, to be cared for and protected. And but here's the thing, where she needed community and needed tribe and needed the safety and sisterhood of women, they shunned her, and she was very much by herself. The Bible says that she uh, always did her work and in the highest, most scorching time of the day, and was willing to endure that just to be away from the painful words and gazes of other of other women, which is really sad. Um, but after this incredible encounter and this life-changing encounter and Jesus seeing past all the stuff and seeing her, not only her soul, but who she will be on the other side, her potential, um, and he spoke to all of it. Um, she went and began literally the beginning of her ministry. And what people don't know, and I wanted to share this because this is powerful. I just think this is going to ignite someone's heart. So um, if you do any sort of research in the uh, Roman Catholic history books, Greek Orthodox, um, the Orthodox Church annals, you will find a name, uh, Fatine. And not only a name, but she is sainted, y'all. Uh, Saint Fatine is the name that is given to the woman of Samaria. So she went on to follow this incredible crowd of disciples and followers of Jesus. She was baptized and given a new name, Fatine. Look it up, guys. P-H-O-I-T-N-E. Listen to this. Uh, this is from the uh, Roman Catholic um, history books on profiles of of major saints. The holy and glorious great martyr Fatine of Samaria 
equal, this is comma, here's the next descriptive, guys, equal to the apostles. I just want to pause there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to pause there. What? Equal to the apostles. That was the, that was the vastness, the impact of Mm -hmm. her ministry. Mm -hmm. It was likened equal to the apostles. She encountered Christ at the well of Jacob. Tradition relates that the apostles baptized her with the name Fatim meaning enlightened one. There's actual feast days in the Catholic Church to celebrate her on February 26th. And she literally converted her entire family and uh, literally did massive evangelical work uh, Mm. all throughout Eastern Africa and throughout Northern Africa. It's incredible. Like her life is unreal. And so I'm just so excited. that God writes our story. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. so excited yeah. that yeah. our story is not yeah. done and there are new chapters being written and yeah. we are not our pain and we are not our mistakes. So good. That's so good. what I want to say there. I love that. Uh, as a side note, each of us chose to speak about a woman who was transformed by Jesus. I love that. <laughs> Not only that, but they, yeah, you're right. Like they took the story and they didn't just keep it to themselves. They went and told others, they changed other people's lives as a result of their, their life being transformed by Christ. I think that's such a beautiful model Mm -hmm. to go and tell others what God has done for us and how he's transformed our lives. Yeah. And they were willing to go, they were willing to mm-hmm. uh, break out of, like you said, Trifina so good, these societal limitations and expectations and, mm-hmm. and the, the confines and they broke out, whether out of desperation, out of redemption, you know, out of like just love for Jesus. But they were mm-hmm. like, I, I will do and be all that God has mm-hmm. called me to be and I will pursue him despite what it looks like and I, I'm so excited. Thank you so much guys. My goodness. I'm fired up. <laughs> me too. Any, anybody have any last thoughts? Anything yeah. on, on uh on what we all the women that we shared. Any thoughts there? I just think when I look at these three women, we kind of talked about them all being misunderstood, but not by Jesus. I love that Jesus like that our God is so trauma informed. Like even Cheryl you talked about like you know we're not our pain, but Jesus was aware of, she went from woman to woman, I mean, from man to man, not out of her own choices, but because of the systems and structures she lived in, she was looking for protection. And I think Jesus is so aware of the spaces that we come from and why we've had to make the decisions we have, um, to survive. And I love that there is redemption in that. So good. So good. Well, guys, we are going to uh, bring it to the sort of uh, present day ish. Uh, For some of us, we have uh, historical um, women in history and we have some present day. I love I can't wait for you to hear Trifina's um, some really cool options there for present day inspiration. So who um, who are your uh, inspirational role models, the people that are changing you? that are um, making you better, that you're drawing strength from. Trifina, we'll start with you. Okay, so I'm gonna start with um, my daughter. So Kaya Tally is a whole four years old and is just a firehouse and has changed my existence. I think there's just a part where even from utero, right? Like she's such a woman of power. She moved more internally than her brother did. And not that there's any, you know, like they're just different personalities. Um, But she came out fighting 
and just has such a tenacity about her when if you if she's walking down the street and a neighbor is like oh hey little girl like how are you doing and you know they pat her hair she stops turns around and looks at them and is like excuse me that's my body i'm the boss of my body and i did not give you permission to touch my hair and i <laughs> just like i know i know and the bat like it happens at church all the time and i'm like oh my goodness but also, there's something I just love about who she is. She knows exactly who she is. She knows what her boundaries are, and she doesn't let anybody violate them. And so she's the child who she's an introvert when she like people will be over and she's like, excuse me, I'm going to my room now to play. I need some time alone with my heart. And I'm like, what is it? like you are so aware of what's happening in your body that you can stop and leave and be fully content just being on your own. And so she has such a sense of peace and identity about who she is that I'm still learning from. And so when she looks at me and she's, you know, invites me into play or, you know, bestows her unconditional love on me, there's something where it heals my own inner child, right? Like my own, I will be honest, she was born and my own, you know, trauma came to the surface. My own like sexual abuse came to the surface and I'm like, Jesus, I can't do this. But she has been a child that has been so, such a gift to me to walk alongside of as my own stuff has come up because she's actually taught me about tenacity and safety. And so I just feel wit like honored to be witness to her journey because um, it teaches me so much. Oh, yeah. I yeah. love it. Wow. So good. And Esther, you chose someone from history. Uh, why don't you share? I did. Yeah. yeah. You know what? This is, uh, I wanted to, to just speak about Corey Ten Boom and that's a name that many of us will have rem remembered from some part of history or books or church. Um, but I just wanted to share her story and, and why I feel that it's today, it's so relevant as well. Uh, so as, as many will know, but if you don't, I'm going to just kind of like reiterate some of her story. So uh, she was born into a family in Holland. So <laughs> my father was also born and raised in Holland. So I feel like there is a connection there to her as well. Um, and they were, they were <laughs> clockmakers. And, uh, and so she had her, you know, her father, her sister. Uh, but then, then, World War II happened and the Nazi invasion and the takeover of Holland. And they were in an occupied country facing untold atrocities because you have an aggressor that's living there in your midst. Now, their home was a short distance away from the, uh, the police headquarters as well. But in the midst of a dark place, their family chose to help with the underground Dutch resistance. Okay, so this woman and her sister are part of a resistance movement of trying to hide and protect the the Jews from uh, from being sent to camps. And so it's estimated that they saved about 800 Jews, not just Jews, but also others that were part of the resistance movement. They actually had someone come in and structurally change and alter uh, a room of their home so that they could put up a wall that they could hide about six people at a time. And so... Throughout this, they were able to move them from one safe shelter to the next and to be able to move them through uh, kind of like the Underground Railway movement. So we see movement of people uh, to protect them. So they saved hundreds of lives. But then at the end of the war in 1944, uh, it was discovered um, someone basically 
told the police that they were hiding Jews. And so they were able to, um, to actually had an alarm inside their home that would buzz and the people within were able to get to the shelter to be able to hidden uh, if there was talk that people were going to come to the door and round up Jews. So they, the father, sister Betsy and Corey were all arrested and um, sent to, uh, uh, eventually ended up in the women's labor camp called Ravensbrück in Germany. Uh, her father died just shortly after they were arrested, but she and her sister were sent to this women's labor camp. What's incredible at this story is that first they are part of a resistance movement. Then they are sent to a camp where they suffer atrocities, um, where they are, you know, I, I'm not going to go into the details about how they suffered, but um, it's said that there was uh, a guard that was particularly cruel to her sister, Betsy, um, in the end, her sister ends up dying in the camp and Corey lives. But before her death, I mean, the two sisters were, were bringing people to faith within their, their space. They were sharing the gospel. They were singing and worshiping together. And they were an example of Christ's love and hope in the midst of a very dark place and time. And so they were able to transform the space where they were, whether they were in their home and saving Jewish lives or whether they were in a labor concentration camp and saving lives. That was their identity. And that's what they're remembered for. Now, what's incredible, the next part of this story is that after the war, I believe it was 1946, Corey decided to go back to Germany. She was speaking at an engagement and one of those German Nazis came up to her and said, I was that person who persecuted you and your sister. And internally, the battle of what do I do with this information? You are now looking at the aggressor face to face. What do you do in that moment? And she wrestled with God and then she was able to forgive this man. And she goes on the rest of her life then is dedicated. She, she lived from 1892 until 1983. She actually died on her birthday. She was able to spend the rest of her life preaching and helping others to understand forgiveness in a way that only someone who has gone through that kind of life can actually say, I can forgive my enemies. And so what I love about her story is the power of forgiveness, the power of Christ at work in a person's life, whether you are safe, whether you are in prison, whether you are facing um, hatred and, and adversity, the courage, the boldness, the act of love. Um, it's just, to me, it's always been a story that has stood out as this is a woman of character that God has divinely placed and used her story um, to really impact the lives of millions of people around the world. So Corey Ten Boom, another one I would encourage you to go look up her story and be inspired. Oh, I'm inspired right now. Just thank you for, and thank you for walking us mm -hmm. through that incredible story. I know that I'm like, I'm just, I'm blown. I know other people are as well. Um, thank you for that. My goodness. Um, well, the person I picked for this round is uh, Malala Yousafzai, um, mm -hmm. a very well-known uh, young woman who is uh, such a force to be reckoned with. I love this quote from her. I don't want to be remembered as the girl who was shot. I want to be remembered as the girl who stood up. Yeah, come on. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, on October the 9th, 2012, a gunman boarded Malala's school bus in Pakistan and asked her name. 
and shot her three times in the head, point blank range. Her crime speaking about her crime was speaking about education for girls. That was her crime. Uh, but she lost her fear and uh, she gained bravery on levels that we're all still uh, in in awe of. Uh, she has become a figurehead uh, of our time. Uh, the shooting, actually, of Malala was a watershed moment for um, freedom of girls, the empowerment of girls, the education of girls in Pakistan and beyond. And, uh, and it propelled a teenage girl into literally an overnight stateswoman for equal rights, um, for the uh, advancement of girls globally. Uh, in 2013, Time magazine listed Malala Yousafzai as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. And on uh, the 10th of October, I'm telling you that powerhouse, she received a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, and she is, uh, I had the privilege of going to a UN women's conference. It was a global conference, such a privilege to be there. And uh, she was recognized there as well. And just hearing her speak, it's like um, it's like oceans. It's like just a, mm -hmm. just it's just a tsunami. She is fearless, uh, mm -hmm. but she has literally faced the enemy uh, down and has come out on the other side. And so I'm just um, I'm inspired because uh, I think again I I don't want to sound like a broken record, but tragedy. And for someone that's listening, tragedy mm -hmm. and crisis does not define you. It is not the end of the story. And I'm reminded of the biblical verse that says that what the enemy intended for evil, for hurt, mm -hmm. for harm, God will turn it around for your good. And so what a what a what an mm -hmm. incredible life. Uh, still still changing the earth and shaking the earth. Um, but um, just to see how. Um, dark her beginnings were and how she has literally become such a bright light. It's encouraging for all of us. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. Uh, Trifina, I'm going to go back to you. We've got our last round. Uh, tell us your next person. So I struggled with this one for a minute because I, if I look at history, there's not always a lot of people that look like me. Not that that should make a difference about who I, you know, learn from and grow from. Well, yeah, but um, representation but matters, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Um, but there is, I realized that, so there's a quote where um, a theologian talks about how children feel most loved by the oldest person in the room who they know loves them unconditionally. And that, so as much as I'm not a mm. child anymore, that's been my experience. There's a woman in my life and her name is Anne. And she is older than me, but has loved me unconditionally. And she's been a mentor and a friend who's walked along like different seasons of life with me. I met her right before I was getting married. Um, and I don't know what your experience is like, but getting married, having a wedding, that was a tumultuous time in my life. There was a lot happening, a lot unpacking and just unpacking my own um, misconceptions about what weddings and marriage looked like and also bringing two cultures together. It was... It, it was fun. So having someone who was older who stepped in and sat down and was like, hey, Trifina, I love you. You're making decisions not because you are broken, but let's actually unpack your history and why you're making decisions the way you are. Um, was so helpful. And there were seasons in my life where, you know, I was bedridden, I was sick, and she would sit there and she would cry with me. She would come sit beside me when I couldn't see and, you know, pray over me. And she's a woman of character and a woman who's actually like 
She's a very busy woman. She's a very powerful woman. There's something about someone who you know is busy, who's taking time out of their life to stop and spend Mm -hmm. time with you to this day. Every morning, she will text me, text my children what she's praying for us, what she wants to bless us with, a joke she heard for the kids. Mm -hmm. And there's something that's been so healing to see um, a woman of authority, a woman of power stop and just be like, hey, let me just love you unconditionally consistently in all the seasons of life. And when I look at her life, she's someone who's been through a lot. She's walked through a lot of pain. Um, But because of that, she has like exemplified to me what it is like to love Jesus wholeheartedly, but also has been so healing in my life of breaking down the legalism of how we love Jesus and how we have to do this and this and this, but really has made it so simple of like, okay, so how do we just love and love authentically? And who does God say he is? What does the Bible say? Like, what does the Bible say that God is versus what are the lies that I have believed for so long? And so, you know what? She's not someone that everyone's going to know, but she's forever changed my life. And I am who I am because of her. And so I am just grateful for her. Oh, wow. I love it. You know, it's so funny because I, I, I want to jump in here because we were just speaking about uh, Malala, this huge sort of like world uh, figure and, yep. and then your incredible yep. mentor. And mm-hmm. I just want to tell someone like you, you don't see yourself as a world changer, but your daily quiet acts are changing someone's world. I mean, that is, look at that right there. And so she's changing your world. And I'm, I'm, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. You know what, just before, like, just, I'm thinking too, it's not just changing your life, Trafina, but it's also changing your daughter because you are now your daughter's example. And because you are receiving healing and wholeness and life and like, you're receiving so much from someone else. And now your life as someone who can come into that relationship with your daughter as a healed whole person is now impacting her life. And it's actually this this beautiful, uh, like your legacy is being formed. So she's part of your whole legacy, not just your life, but now all those that come after you. That's good, Esther. Absolutely. Listen, while you're talking, you're up. Absolutely. <laughs> you're next. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Who, who, wow. who did you choose for your last round? So this, yeah, the next person is someone that I have just deeply admired. And, you know, I wish she was a mentor in my life. As, as Trafina's talking, like, wow, I wish these women were in my life right now. Uh, someone that has inspired me since I was a teenager is Amy Carmichael. And I remember reading her story as a young person and just being incredibly inspired. So she lived as a missionary in the early you know, 20th century. She, uh, she was, you know, from 1867 to 1951. Now this is a woman who grew up in, you know, the United Kingdom and, you know, a white woman, but she had chronic illness. And so she wanted to be a missionary. She felt called to be a missionary. She tried to be a missionary and they disqualified her and said, you know, you can't do this. She went, she got sick. She went back to her home. She's like, okay, you know, at that point you're like, okay, maybe I misunderstood God's call in my life. Maybe I'm not called to be a minister because everyone is telling me I'm disqualified and I can't do it. And I have this sickness, this thorn in my side that's preventing me literally from doing the things that I feel called to do. So what does she do? She decides to take a different approach. She goes to a different place and she goes to India, to South India, to Tamil Nadu, a place where she doesn't look like them. She doesn't talk like them. Imagine, right? Trafina's like, yes, I understand. So she goes and, um, 
She sees this need. And what is the need? The need is that she is seeing these little girls who are being sacrificed as temple prostitutes. Their families who are poor, cannot provide for them, are literally giving their daughters over to the temple to be prostituted as children. And she sees this and this holy righteous anger is in her. And she's like, this cannot be. So she sets up a home called Donover Mission, where she herself rescues thousands of children. Okay. We're seeing like a pattern here of women that are saving the lives of hundreds and thousands. So first beginning with, you know, the first child that she meets and she hears her story. She's like, no, I need to pull you out of this life and give you a new life. So uh, over the course of her life, she sees many children's lives restored. She personally adopts a number of them too. Um, and then she also, in the end of her life, she's also ministering to boys as well. So it starts as a ministry to girls, and now it's just children. Uh, boys were also being misused and abused as well. So that's her life. Her life is the rescue physically. And that always inspired me that she gave her life. She never married. She dyed her skin with coffee <laughs> to look like them, to, to immerse herself in their culture. She wrote stories that inspired many. Later in life, her stories would also inspire missionaries like Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, who also gave their lives to the mission work. Uh, so she just hurt her life and influence so selfless. What I love about her is that she just, first of all, she pushed past being disqualified by those and she found what God was doing in the world and she got in the middle of it. She found where her space was, she took it up. And then her selflessness, her love, uh, she was called Amma, which is the, the word for mother in Tamil. And so they called her mother. She became a mother of all of these children. And so I just, I love that. You know what? At one point, I really thought that I would go to India and start an orphanage because she so inspired me. And um, I realized that that wasn't what I was called to, but her life so inspired me that I, was, I wanted to live like that, just selflessly devoted to Christ in whatever thing he calls me to do, whatever that looks like, to be fully devoted, to push aside the bias of, of being a woman called to ministry in a, a time and space, even today, where you don't always feel like you're qualified. And so she found that space and she didn't let anyone stay otherwise. So if that's you today and you're feeling like, I'm a woman, I'm called to ministry, but everyone's telling me I can't do this, I can't do that. I think that God, God will give you that space. He will provide that means, but also be bold and step into it. Don't be afraid of what people think or say about you. Find that space. And so that's her life, Amy Carmichael. And I'm always inspired by her story. I hope you are too. Oh, so I, I, I tell you, I'm going to probably be playing this episode for myself to pump myself up, whatever I need it. <laughs> Um, I'm so inspired and ignited and I love what you said. Uh, that is, that is the call. These women are fully devoted to their purpose, uh, living out the call of God on their lives, mm -hmm. stepping away from labels and all the can'ts and shouldn'ts and won'ts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. I, um, for me, my last person that I picked, uh, I was, I struggled too, Trifina. There's so many, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're like, who do we pick? And I think for, for, for what I wanted to say to the listeners today, I chose this powerhouse. I picked Rosa Parks. Yes. Yes. I picked Rosa Parks and um, I, I have a, a quote and just a little bit of um, 
uh, catch up on her. Uh, she says, I would like to be remembered as a person who wanted to be free mm-hmm. so that other people would also be free. And in her own humble words, she will tell you all the time when she was alive that all I was doing was trying to get home from work. <laughs> but uh, on that fateful day, in actuality, she did infinitely more than that. Um, she became an overnight, literally overnight figurehead mm-hmm. uh, for the civil rights movement, a face, uh, uh, a, a person uh, of innocence, of, of, of quiet uh, demeanor. She was demure. She was the perfect person to place this entire sort of like launch of uh, our, our a push for freedom on. Um, and, and her shoulders were event obviously big enough to to carry all of that so she became a figurehead of the civil rights movement of the u.s and on december 1st 1955 we know rosa parks uh, was 42 at the time she was a seamstress um very quietly going about her life uh, she was just beyond eg- eg- exhausted uh, in domestic uh, capacity being a domestic help and uh just refused finally had enough and uh was not was tired of the um the uh ill treatment tired of the lack of dignity tired of being treated less than and she refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on the montgomery city bus and that single act that single reply and this is what she said word for word uh they said are, are you not willing will you not like for the last time you know, before we, before things get really bad, give up your seat. And she says, no, I am not willing. Uh, That ignited a boycott, which continued for 381 days, uh, which we all know is history now until the city repealed its law, enforcing racial segregation on public buses. And it started a watershed moment that undid the Jim Crow era. So we are just so thankful uh, of Rose's fearless rejection Mm -hmm. of racial segregation. Uh, and and literally is now labeled the first lady of the civil rights movement. And uh, there's a day itself dedicated to her called the Rosa Parks Day. Well, why did I pick her today? I picked her today because I want someone listening to know that power has nothing to do with volume. Hmm. And, and power is not about... Um, how loud or how boisterous one can be to shout at uh, the institutions that are holding us back and demand change. Quiet, a power can also come in quiet resistance and change can be launched from there. And I think Rose is a perfect example that, that just taking a stand, just quietly resisting can Mm -hmm. also launch a movement and so many people think well I can't do what she does and I'm not like her and I my voice is not as strong or I'm not as brave but Mm -hmm. um, there are quiet ways that we can push back against the 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 limitations uh, over our lives and over our calling and over our purpose and over our generations to come and so Mm -hmm. it's as simple as saying no we, we will not be moved and no, we will not accept that anymore. And no, and no, that's no longer uh, true 
for our lives. So yeah, guys, oh my goodness. Uh, wow. 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 <laughs> uh, like I, whoever's listening, oh, wow. if you're, if you, if you haven't like stood up or like thrown your fist in the air or like, said yes, <laughs> yes. like, you know, here's a good time to do it. Here's a good time to do it. Well, you know, we've, we've kind of, uh, our time is, is a little far spent, but I, I want to ask one question as we, mm-hmm wind things up and as we kind of turn the corner here I'd love to know as we sit in this beautiful month of acknowledging the women Mm. that have gone before and have inspired us we are now the women that are going before (laughs) isn't that crazy (laughs) it's like what a heavy thought that we are the women that are carving and Trifita's like "Ah." yeah like we are the ones that other women are looking to so what advice would you give to uh, future female leaders of the next generation. Um, give you a second to think about that. And I'll go to you, Esther. Mm-hmm. There's something that I'm, like a, a thread that I'm seeing throughout the lives of the different women that we've talked about today. And there's three things in my mind that really stand out amongst, you know, most if not each of these women. Uh, it's, it's a heart posture of humility of obedience and of surrender to what God has called you to do. These women, like you said, Cheryl, these are not women that even tried to do the things that they did. It wasn't like they were raising up armies, literally. It's just that they had this posture of humility and they knew what they needed to do and they did it. And like we look at Mother Teresa and those, it's not that they were these glorified powerhouse women leaders. These were humble women surrendered to Christ, obedient to his call in their life, whatever that looked like. If it was Rosa Parks just saying, no, not today. (laughs) If that's the choice, then you just embrace that. And to be a leader, I think we put up this notion of like a woman has to look, talk, act a certain way to be a female leader. But these are women that are leaders and they simply just walked in the truth of how God had called them for that moment. It might've just been one moment, a blip in history that they're called to make a difference. I think each of us has been called for a blip in history to make our mark, to say what God tells us to say, to be obedient to whatever he calls us to do. That's all we have to do. Be humble, surrendered, and obedient to what God calls us to do. So good. So, so good. Trifina, what is your advice to the next generation of female leaders? So I love the part, Esther, you talked about just the humility. And Cheryl, when you were talking about how Rosa Parks was 42 and just going about her day, right? Like I've heard it said, like there's Mm -hmm. nothing more powerful than the woman who's fed up and tired. And I think there's something so true about that when we're just living out who we are, who we're created to be. As, as women, we are created in the image of God. We are representations of God here on earth and the way that we live out our lives and the way our identities are, um, the creativity that we, uh, that we have, you know, the tenacity that we have, the quirky parts of our personality are all a representation of mm. God on earth. And I think when we own that and we just live that out in a humble way, day in and day out, when we are fed up and we say no more, when we cheer others on, when we just live in an unapologetic way, there's no stopping us. The world, the people around us are going to, ha- are spending thousands of dollars and lots of time to tell us that we are not good enough. And there are things that we need, things that we need to change to be better, to be more 
powerful, to be better leaders, whatever that looks like. But when I think of someone like Rosa Parks or even my mentor, Anne, it was just the daily living out who they were created to be. And there's no, like, I think we're in a culture where we're, we build us, we are trying to build a platform of power and authority and leadership. And not that there's anything wrong with that. Use the platform that you have to change the world. Absolutely. We're here for this blip in this moment, but sometimes the most powerful moments we have is just living out our day to day, yeah. whatever career, family situation, whatever that looks like, just be you and all of you. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Well, guys, for me, um, man, I, I'm, first of all, can I just say, I'm so thankful for you, Trifina and Esther. Um, I'm so, I'm so thankful that, um, the Lord chose you to be on this journey with myself and with our fearless leader, Melinda, you are just Mm -hmm. such an incredible addition to this uh, ministry and this brand. And every time you open your mouths, I just, I'm just blown away. So I just wanted to say that. Um, okay. So my quick advice, um, I, I thought about this long and hard and I've been in sitting in this, I've been processing this thought for a while. Um, and just observing this, what I call this sort of new groundswell that's happening, this realization and awakening we're coming into. So I'm going to say it like this. So to every woman listening, the days of not trusting women are over. Come on. Amen. <laughs> Maybe I'll say that again for someone in the back. Uh, the days of not trusting women are over. Um, women are not our competition. Uh, we are not each other's nemesis. Mm. We are, we are each other's tribe. Women are, other women are our tribe. They are our kindred. They are mm. sisters. And, uh, and this victory, this um, world-changing move that we're hoping for, however small or big, only happens in community. It happens with collaboration. No person is an island. No more silos, guys. No more I'm going to do it by myself and I trust no one and everyone's my enemy. That, that will never get you far. Uh, mm. We, you know, we go farther together. Mm. And so I encourage you uh, to find your tribe. Uh, and if you don't know who your tribe is and you're a little worried about your current state of friends, pray. Pray mm. and ask God to uh, hand select that tribe for you. The people that think like you have the same heartbeat will encourage you, will pray you through in the hard times and um, will cheer you on when you need it. Well, guys, I'm so thankful for all of you. Trifina, Esther, you are people that I'm cheering on. I'm watching everything you're doing. And I think all of us, I can say, we are cheering all of you on that are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything resonates, know that we are called to a great big life. There is so mm-hmm. much more to the story that we are writing. And can I encourage you to put your pen down and allow God to finish the chapters? Because what he has is greater. What he has is bigger. Where he wants to take you is further and farther than anything you could ever imagine. We are not our pain. We're not our labels. We're not our stuff. There is yet more to do. And whether you're quiet, loud, grand, or demure, you are a world changer. Happy History Month. Happy History Month. Happy Women's (laughs) History Month, guys.
<laughs> Happy Women's History Month. Uh, shout it out, guys. You could just tell them, tell them goodbye and all the love. Yeah. Yeah. So grateful for you all. Thanks for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to these stories. I hope they've inspired you today. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you are someone that is a world changer in someone else's life. And so happy Women's History Month. Right. Well, from yeah. all of us to all of you, remember, I'm, we're going to try and say it together, but it's going to be all over the place. On behalf of our fearless leader, you are seen, seen. you are heard, mm -hmm. and you are deeply loved by God. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded, nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre for Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing See Here Love. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R 4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.